Hey guys, welcome to That Florida Feeling this week. I hope everybody's doing good. I know I missed the Wednesday uh, poll in question. I'm sorry. Work is crazy. Uh, is everybody ready for spooky season? Because, man, it's basically here. And Florida kind of got cold, and then it kind of didn't, but it's kind of going to get cold again. Maybe, eventually, hopefully. I liked the cooler days. I did. I could just open my door, and I didn't have to have my AC on, and it was so nice. And I can't wait for it again. Hopefully it doesn't do it. I mean, hopefully it does it before, like, December, January. I'm just ready for it. I don't know about y'all. So today's episode is different. It's kind of a mixture of just talking about Florida. Uh, if you guys remember Q, I've had him on, I think, a couple times at this point. He's talked about cryptids. He's talked about St. Augustine. And so today... In this episode, it's me and him talking about Florida, haunted Florida, haunted St. Augustine, and just kind of our feelings about, you know, Florida and paranormal in general. There is a bit of a warning for language. We do cuss a bit. Um, But yeah, this is one of those episodes where it kind of feels like it's just old friends sitting around talking about whatever. And so this is this episode... I hope you guys like it. It's just kind of a glimpse into how Floridians just kind of feel about everything. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Um, Do want to give a shout out to everybody who's been on the social media pages. If you have a second, I really would appreciate a review on either Apple or Spotify. It does just help get the podcast out to other people so that they can know how awesome this is. Uh, I know I say thank you a lot to you guys, but I still can't thank you enough. I wouldn't be doing this without the love of you guys. Um, So yeah. Don't forget to check it out, to check out all the social media pages. If you want to just say hi, say hi. Post those memes. I love it. I just love it. All right, guys. Without further ado, here is Floridians talking about Haunted Florida. Hey, guys. Did you ever want to try something that is just distinctively Florida? Or what about the taste of Florida, like the true essence of Florida in a drink? Then you need to try Black Coral Rum. It's like capturing the sunshine state in a glass, but black coral rum just isn't any rum. It's not your average rum. It's actually a celebration of Florida's vibrant culture and history. So with each sip, you're going to be transported back to orange groves, swaying palm trees, and it's going to be as smooth as the sand beneath your feet, whether you're drinking the white rum, the spiced rum, or the black rum. But what really makes this rum special? That's the dedication of the locals who craft it. It's made by those who share a deep love of Florida, and only use in Florida ingredients. So, if you're looking for something that is distinctly Florida, then look no further than black coral rum. Where do you find black coral rum, you ask? You're going to find it at their distillery in West Palm Beach. Their distillery is Steel Tie Spirits. Can't make it to West Palm? That's okay. Check out their website, steeltiespirits.com. And trust me, you're going to sip on this and you're going to think nothing but Florida. Bitches. Hey guys. Sure you just heard that from Matthew. <laughs> There's a bunch of us sitting here. Matthew, say hi. Hello. Q, say hi. hi. What up, what up? You're not high yet? Well, we'll get there. Um, guys, this is just us talking about haunted Florida again. We've got Q, your favorite tour guide out of St. Augustine. Uh, you heard him with St. Augustine with Q in a couple of my episodes a little while ago. And uh, we're back with some more. So... Start out with what you want, Q. All right, so... The floor is yours. Tonight, we're going to talk about something that's kind of quasi-historical. All right, mm. we're going to... 
we're going to talk about the bleeding bride. So, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So some of you out there are going to know about the fact that St. Augustine got hit numerous times with various plagues over the years: yellow fever, malaria, scarlet fever, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Anything and everything it hit it. Yep, we yep. got hit with about five different ways of yellow fever. Now, one of the things about yellow fever, it can induce a very coma-like state. All right. Now, I'm not exactly certain when this was, but I do know that it was back during the second Spanish occupation of St. Augustine. Yep. The governor's daughter was yep. due to marry one of the big, you know, official government muckety-mucks. She got hit with yellow fever, and she had died, apparently. Um, back in those days, they would listen to your heart, and they would only listen for about 10 seconds. If they didn't hear anything, they basically pronounced you dead. But as far as I know, and medical professionals out there, please correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I can remember... Your heart, depending on the person and depending on the body, obviously, uh, only needs to be once every 30 to 45 seconds to keep you alive. Correct. But, anyway, that thought she was dead. Now, back in those days, they didn't put the body in the casket until they got graveside. They would carry the body to the graveside on a big stretcher surrounded by, like, flowers and incense and stuff like that. And during this particular funeral, because she was the governor's daughter, many people were in attendance. Two of the doctors in town were actually the litter bearers carrying her on this stretcher. And when they were burying her in what is now the Tolomata Cemetery, and you see that big white mausoleum from the gate, just a bit behind that and off to the right, that was where they were actually going to lay her to rest. And there was a big acacia tree back there. It has long since gone. But acacia trees have these huge thorns on them, all right? So they're carrying her underneath this tree. One of the branches swipes across her face. And all of a sudden, one of the doctors in town starts screaming, put her down, put her down. So they put her down. And they noticed that when the branch swept across her face, there was this big scratch going from her jaw all the way up to her temple that was bleeding. Well, the problem with this is corpses don't bleed. Dead people do not bleed. She was still alive. So they bring her back. They force some water down her throat. And a day or two later, she wound up coming out of it. Well, because of a lot of reports very similar to this and a lot of reports coming out of Europe, the two doctors that were in attendance at this funeral, they ordered the exhumation of the last dozen bodies victims, I should say, of yellow fever. And when they disinterred these bodies under six of the caskets, there were claw marks inside the casket lid. These people had basically been buried alive. Now, this did not originate in St. Augustine. It happened here, but it did not originate here. All over the world, mainly Eastern Europe, um, whenever somebody would die from like yellow fever or something similar, they would tie a rope around the wrist of the cadaver and they would run a rope up to a bell that was on the headstone. Yep. They would employ the children of the caretakers and city guards to hang out and play in these cemeteries listening for a bell. If they heard one, they would go running for the caretaker saying, we got a dead ringer. And that's actually where those sayings come from. If somebody was lucky enough to be rescued by something like this, this was called being saved by the bell. My entire life, I thought that was a boxing term. And I found out within like the past 10 years that that's actually it's where it comes from. Not, yeah. One more for you. One more for the road. The kids that were hanging out in the cemetery listening for the bells, they were working the graveyard shift. And that's actually where those terms come from. So you're a little bit of useless trivia for tonight. Okay, but tell the best story to come out of Telemato Cemetery. Now, are you talking about Jamie or the exploding uh, bishop? I'm talking about both, but okay. I like Jamie much better because I still say hi to him every time I walk by because and that's a that very is wise thing to do. the right okay. thing to do. So here in St. Augustine, when you see the Tolomato Cemetery, it is right across from Mojo's Barbecue. Shameless plug, Mojo's is fucking amazing. Go yes. get their burn-ins. You, yeah. you, you will not be disappointed. And they have a great whiskey list. They have a huge whiskey list. They love it. But um, Jamie, you'll, you'll kind of see this little headstone off by itself. He is not by himself. His parents are actually on both sides of him. It's just that they have wooden headstones that eroded away a long time ago. But Jamie actually has a 
marble headstone, a new one, yeah. thanks to a drunk yes. driver. Yeah. But <clears throat> bottom line, um, Jamie was the son of one of the gate captains. Yes. And he was climbing in the tree one day, fell out, in a tragic accident, but he fell out and he broke his neck. Well, Jamie is your typical precocious, playful, eight, nine-year-old kid. Um, when little, you go walking, boy. Yeah. when you go walking by the Tolomato Cemetery, if you do not say hi to Jamie, Jamie will throw acorns at you. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. I've and, seen this and I've experienced this. And to this day, when you walk along that street right there by the cemetery, you can see that the oak tree that's in the cemetery does not go all the way across the road. Nope. It only comes about halfway across the road. So you can't put it on acorns falling on you or anything like that. Nope. He will, he will toss them to the side where Mojo is. And we have seen it. We've actually gotten to um, tour uh, Telemato Cemetery. It's open the third you Saturday. Either. Yeah, we weren't. Um, it was open the third Saturday of every month. We went in early. And we actually got to spend some time with some of the caretakers there and some of the historians. We found out a lot about Jamie. And honestly, there's actually about a thousand people buried there, even if you only see maybe a hundred tombstones. That's Don't the thing. let it fool you. That's the thing about here in St. Augustine, because of all the variant plagues over the years and the many waves of said plagues that we got. Um, the Spanish, well, okay. Those of you, if you know, you know, in this part of Florida, northeastern Florida, you've only got to dig down about five or six feet before you hit groundwater. Correct. And the Spanish were mistakenly under the belief that if they buried their bodies, the religiously mandated six feet down, they were going to taint their water supply. Yep. So they buried their bodies very, very shallow and very, very wide. Whenever you see an actual headstone in a cemetery, the name on the headstone, he's just a guy on top. He's in there with about eight or nine other people. He's not the bottom. Um, fun fact, though, if you go to the fort, Castillo de San Marco, and it has been raining a lot. Do not be surprised if you trip over something. That is a mass grave. So, for those who are in the know, around about 2004, St. Augustine got smacked by all those hurricanes and tropical storms and everything. And then, because Florida is kind of on a slope, that's why all of that water flows north. So, in 2004, with all of those hurricanes, tropical storms, we lost a lot of topsoil. Well, yep. when all of that had blown through, everything dried out, the tourists come back out to play. There was a man and his wife walking along the, the northern lawn on the fort. She felt something crunch under her feet. She looks down and there's this hand sticking up out of the ground. Now, it didn't grab her. It wasn't a zombie or anything like that. But, it, it of course, there was the yelling, cooler. the screaming, and freaking out. That would have been a lot cooler. It would have been a lot cooler. There. Just saying. But um, once the yelling and screaming was all done, long story shorter, uh, after the Historical Society finally gets there, they excavate these two skeletons and they date them around 1710, 1720. Well, because of that incident to this day, and you guys out there in listener land can actually verify this next time you come to St. Augustine, when you go to the fort, the Castillo de San Marcos, you can talk to the park rangers. The park rangers will tell you. If you are walking around the fort on the lawns after it rains, if you feel something crunch under your feet, keep walking. Yeah, there is not something you want to look down at. I have actually experienced this on my own. If you're in the moat, you are in the moat, literally in the moat. I'm not talking about the moat. I'm talking about the high wall around <coughs> the moat. That is where you might feel a familiar crunch and you just need to keep on going. But fun fact, if you walk around any part of St. Augustine, you are probably walking on a graveyard. Yep, you're walking on dead bodies all over town. Um, what is it, A1A Ale Works yep. that has tombstones you can see going to the bathroom? Yep, when you actually walk into A1A Ale Works, it's a very huge building. It's an awesome place to eat. The food it's actually is really a good, good brewery. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's our own little local brewery, one of the two local breweries we have. 
and when you walk into the main entrance the restaurant entrance is there on your left hand side if you keep walking down there are actually plexiglass sections in the floor back there yep. where you can see the headstones that are still underneath the building to this day and they are not new <laughs> uh not at all close to being new now what was it the 450th where they unearthed an entire mass grave well what had happened was yeah mm -hmm. back in 2015 when the city was beautifying everything for our big 450th right, anniversary 450th. it was great and it was it was cool it was great john Meehan did amazing yes, the really city did. really showed out yep but so, they uncovered a lot of stuff this is early in the year um the 450 celebration was in september so this happened like in february or march but they were down on Aviles, and a little more useless trivia for you. Aviles Avenue is the oldest street on the North American continent. Do with that as you will. You can see it if you are driving up King Street through the plaza. It will be on your right. Yep. And um, when they were going to redo the wiring for a couple of the street lights, when they were digging up where the wires were, they uncovered a skeleton. Well, in the course of excavating that, they found two more on either side of that. So, as per Florida state law, they had to stop everything they were doing. Yep. Long story short, they wound up getting an injunction from Ron DeSantis himself, and they stopped digging. Um, DeSantis called the Catholic Church here, the oldest uh, congregate, the oldest Basil Catholic congregation. The yep. They called here the Basilica. The bishop went down there, blessed and consecrated the remains. They just covered the other ones right back up, and they got on with right with what they were doing. And that is St. Augustine. You will be walking on dead people, you will be studied in history, and you will deal with ghosts. Yep. It is what it is. That is why it's called the ancient city, because there are ancient stuff still around. But there is one thing that's just really morbid, but it is not a ghost story at all, and that is the story of Bishop Vero, also oh. known as the Exploding Bishop. Yes, he is. But so he has this... a very pretty resting place, I will oh, yeah. say. Beautiful. But here's the thing about Bishop Rowe. He was not one of the Catholics that you read about in the papers these days. No, this guy was actually genuinely one of the good ones. Yep. And he was loved by many, many thousands of people. And this is early turn of the 20th century, so this is late 18, early 1900s. Um, he passed away, and Bishop Rowe, God bless him, was a really big guy, if you know what I mean. Ahem, ahem. He was a really big guy. Yeah. And like most religious dignitaries back in the day when he died, he laid in state. Well, remember where you are. This is Florida. He laid in state in a glass coffin. Oh. In Florida. Gosh. In August. So many things. And this guy, because of all the decomposition, the pressure built up, this guy literally detonated. And his corpse literally, like, exploded all inside that mausoleum in the Tolomato Cemetery. He is called the Exploding Pope for a reason. But Bishop, fun fact, he is actually not buried there. No, he's not. He was sent back to Cuba. Yes, he was. But he is the man, if you ever go through the Basilica... There is a courtyard beside it. There is a statue of a man with a cross and a bunch of people around him. Yep. That is him. He is the reason that the Mallorcans, who came to Florida, who got stuck in Ormond Beach, New yep. Smyrna Beach area, got sent up to St. Augustine because, let's just say that plantation work was worse for them than it was for slaves. Yep. And that he the fact that they were indentured the saved didn't them. Yeah. yeah, they were indentured slaves. He saved them. He brought them up to St. Augustine. They actually had an entire settlement near where the Tolomato Cemetery stands to this day. Yep, when you come to St. Augustine, all you have to do is ask about the Menorcan Quarter, and they'll direct you right to it. And it is right about where the Tolomato Cemetery stands, which yep. is why there's about a 1,000 people buried there, and you only see 100 tombstones. But, fun fact, there is an entire row of Civil War tombstones, both confederate and northern yep that stand in the front of the cemetery and it really just is what it is considering that there weren't many 
Civil War battles fought in this area of Florida. The closest Civil War actual battle that was fought was up in Fernandina, about 20 miles north of here. And I, and I can also tell you that I really don't care what you've read in books or what you think you may know. There was never any black slavery in St. Augustine. We had Indian slavery. We had the Menorcans. And, of course, there were some of the Irish that were indebted to the British when they came over during their 20-odd-year occupation of St. Augustine. But... There was no black slavery in St. Augustine itself. Correct, because the Seminoles did not come to St. Augustine, yep. therefore they did not have their black Seminole slaves and or the fully black Seminoles because of Fort Moose. Moose? How do you say it? Fort Moose. Fort Moose. Yep. Fort Moose actually sits off of U.S. Highway 1, right outside of the Pedro Menendez little statues going towards Jacksonville, and you can actually tour where Fort Moose used to sit. Yep. That was the first freed black settlement in the entire state of Florida. Now called Lincolnville. Right, right outside of St. Augustine. Yep. It is probably one of the coolest areas around. They are proud of their history, and I can't say that I blame them. And it's also the largest concentration of Victorian homes in the southeastern United States. But do you know why they gave them their freedom? Uh, there was many reasons, but what are you referring to? They gave them their freedom if they converted to Catholicism. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was, was the main was reason. Yeah. They wanted to, their missions needed to succeed. Therefore, if they got them to convert to Catholicism, they could be free as long as they yep. fought for them when needed. Yep. And speaking of converting, you guys know who Camp Andrew Ranson is? Sure do. You guys like pirate stories out there? So, Let's here's another it. one. So, he was called the seven-day captain because... <laughs> I don't remember what the name of the actual captain was, but Captain Andrew Ranson and his crew... Technically, they were privateers in service to the British crown, but we all know what that means to the Spanish, the French, the Dutch. They were absolutely pirates, no question. They just did it with the King of England's approval. They were legal pirates, let's put it that way. They were about 100 miles south of Florida, along the Florida coast. They got rocked by a hurricane. Florida? Hurricane? You know not. But never, anyway. <laughs> never. Um, well, the captain was killed. Andrew Ransom was promoted to captain because yep. the ship was damaged and they were down to about half a crew. They were limping by along the coast, and of course, they were caught by the Spanish. They were brought back to the Castillo, and they offered the crew a choice. Convert to Catholicism, swear allegiance to Spain, and you can survive. If not, you could die to a man. So his entire crew said, hey, viva la España, let's sign us up, let's do this. We're Catholicism now, so let's do this. They did the change, everything like that, and they put them to work as hard labor on the fort. That year, it had just started the stonework for the fort. Before then, this was uh, the fort was actually a, an earthen and wooden structure. They had just started the stonework for the fort. This is 1723. And they bring out Captain Andrew Ranson. They offer him the same choice. Well, the thing about Captain Ranson was he was a devout Protestant. He was British. Hello. And yeah. they offered him that same choice. He said no, never. So they sentenced him to death by garroting which is a very slow, very painful strangulation process. Yes. They bring him out to be executed. They sit him down. They start the strangulation. The guys, they're twisting the rope. They twist, they twist, and they twist. Then they stop for a second because the commandant of the fort has to do something. Well, Captain Ranson, while he still has breath in his body, asks the friar in attendance if he could hold his rosary. Kind of an odd thing to do for a Protestant to do, but the friar said, absolutely, go with God, my son. And Captain Ranson sat there holding the friar's rosary. They started the execution again, and then boom, the rope broke, and the rosary shattered. So, Commandant says, equipment failure, do it again. The friar comes running out and says, oh, no, no, this was divine intervention. So, the Commandant and the friar argue about this for a minute. The friar grabs Captain Andrew Ranson, takes him back to the cathedral, gives him sanctuary. And because garroting is a very 
hardcore, painful process. It took Captain Ransom about a month or so to recuperate, to get his voice back and everything like that. But the friar managed to convince him and said, hey, you don't have to actually do the conversion. Just kind of pay lip service to the conversion. God's got a plan for you. This is evident. He has something in mind for you. That's why you survived this. So the friar actually convinces him. And he does the quote-unquote lip service to the conversion. They put Andrew Ransom to work on the fort. And that's when they found out something very interesting about our dear captain. Yep. They found out that Captain Ransom was a master stonemason, which <laughs> was a rarity in the civilized world. And it was basically unheard of out here. And Captain Ransom is quite literally singularly responsible for completing the Castillo de San Marcos that you all see today. Not only did he wind up earning his freedom, he also became so influential he wound up marrying the governor's daughter. And he is also one of the most identifiable ghosts in the entirety of St. Augustine. This sounds like a joke, but this is absolutely true. No, this is real, guys. I've Along seen the Along the western wall of the fort, he is most common sighted because he looks like a guy with two grins. One on his mouth and one on his throat. But they call him the guy with two grins. And yes, he's real. I've seen pictures. This is not a joke. He's not the guy that walks along the garrison. He's not the he South is, Tower gunner. Different guy. He is certainly not Osceola's head, which no. is a complete and utter bullshit fake story. Don't ever let anybody tell you the Osceola's head story. I don't care what ghost adventures try to tell you. The ghost that they caught was a South Tower gunner. Osceola's head lies happily in South Carolina. Actually... Did you hear the story that Osceola's head did make its way back to St. Augustine? It did, supposedly, with the... In the, the drugstore. The doctors, yeah, yeah. The, 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 excuse me, the apothecary. Right, yeah. but there's no way it's in that, it's in the Castillo. No. no. Absolutely none. So that's just a couple of St. Augustine stories. So we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Haunted Florida. If you like small-town mystery, crazy news, and wild history, then the Florida Men on Florida Man podcast is for you. Each week, Josh Mills and Wayne McCarty bring you the absolute best Florida has to offer. So if you're looking for a show that's safe for the family, but funny enough to help you escape everyday life, then listen to the Florida Men on Florida Man podcast. That's Florida Men, plural, on Florida Man podcast. All right, now we're back, guys. All right, so we're going to talk about something, a little bit of St. Augustine trivia for you. Um, I don't know how many of you guys listen have ever done the trolley tours around town, but if you happen to come through back in like the early mid-80s, when the trolleys would come down Carrera heading towards San, Mar San Marco Avenue, where Ripley's is, um, oh, when okay. they got to the first stop sign, I don't remember what the cross street is called. I want to say Aracola, but I could be wrong about that. But um, the guy that was the mayor of Munchkinland in The Wizard of Oz <laughs> lived on one side of the street, and the woman that played Darla in The Little Rascals lived directly across the street. If they happened to be home, the guy would come out and he would give his like, mayor on Munchkinland Street yeah, to the people. Oh, my God. And he, he died before I moved to St. Augustine, but the woman that played Darla in The Little Rascals, um, she would come out, take pictures, talk to people. She passed away about two years after I moved to St. Augustine. But, yeah, they lived literally right across the street from each other, right on on. Oh, my Carrera. God. I mean, you hear about that crap yeah. in Gibsonton. Do you know anything about Oh, yeah, Gibsonton? that's the Circus Freak Retirement Ground. You are definitely right. Yep. I have uh, friends that live I've there. I've been down there once. So. so, yeah, my friends actually live there. Um, it's in a newer neighborhood. But you drive past, and you still see Ferris wheels. Yep. Carousels. And a lot of the retired circus workers still live there. And people still retire there to this day that are performers in circuses and stuff. And, I mean, because that's the old Ringling Brothers. Yeah. I mean, it's not far well, from Sarasota. Yeah. yeah. The old P.T. Barnum side shows. Yeah. Yes. And, um, but I didn't know that, that about St. Augustine. I yep. didn't know that they actually lived there. And then, like I told you guys earlier today, um, may he rest in peace, but the late, great Jimmy Buffett 
Um, he was only ever fired from one paying gig in his entire musical career, and that was from the trade winds right here in St. Augustine. Yep. I've actually heard that probably the entire time we lived here, and even before and after. Um, but didn't he come back? Were you telling me that? He came back and... Well, what had happened was, so... Um, he was. This was back in the late 60s, early 70s. He was not big nationwide yet, but he was big in Florida. Yeah. And he was already playing like once or twice a week at the trade winds. Well, they had, they had this like open mic night contest, and he showed up. He was so drunk, he got booed off the stage. <laughs> now, I don't know if it, this was true later on in life, but at that point in time, in that particular point in time, he was a really mean drunk. And I don't know what the situation was. I don't know the details. All I know is he took a swing at the bartender, so they kick him out. Right. And the Tradewinds Bar is the second oldest bar in the city. It was opened in 1944, and it's been owned by the same family ever since. And the and the bartender that he swung on was the owner's son. So oh, it was like, you know, they kick his ass out. So oh. fast forward to, like, I want to say it was 2016. Right across the street was the old American Legion that you guys have been to. Love the American Legion. Jello yes. shots. Woo! $1 jello shots at a fucking knock on an elephant. God, but, um, fuck they would. Buffett had just played a show up here at the St. Augustine Amphitheater, and I was at the legion with my group and buffett pulls up with his band his entourage and everything you know he's waving to people he's saying hi so forth and so on his entourage goes inside he goes to walk in the door they stop in the door said no asshole you're still banned get out <laughs> that happened in front of me and my entire group nice. so that is a true story you can actually ask around about that one that's insane so all right trade one let's talk about it anything okay. anything good there Okay, so, um, like I said, it's the oldest bar in the city. Well, second oldest bar in the city. But What's the, what's the oldest? Well, St. George Tavern technically is the oldest. They fair were open strictly by coincidence, but they were open December of 1941. Okay. So, this wasn't like a Pearl Harbor type thing. You know, Which, it was just... I mean, no offense, but St. George's Tavern looks like it was open in the 1940s. Yeah, but when, but after COVID, they cleaned that place up good. They dude, oh, did they dude. not? Oh, yeah. I saw it. It was great, but, like, before that, that place, you but, were... So, yeah, they were open in December 41. Tradewinds opened, I'm not sure what time. I know it was like 1944. But the Tradewinds has been owned by the same family since the day it was opened. So okay. that's why they get away with calling it the oldest bar in the city. So right, I guess yeah. by a certain line of thinking, they are. And that is like, if you guys have ever heard, the def- yeah, have you ever heard a bar being referred to as a dive bar? If you want an example of that, Tradewinds <laughs> is the textbook example. It is amazing. And they get some unbelievable bands in that place. They actually, okay, so we've, We've not sat there and listened, but we've been in, and dear Lord, like, it's that whole, like, I really don't want to be in here because I don't know what I'm going to catch, but, like, this is kind of awesome. Yeah, it's it's one of those places, and remember where you are, it's Florida, sometimes there's more crabs in the bars than there are at the beaches. Uh, yes, that is trade winds, you know, absolutely. So, yeah, that's definitely, for a certain age group, kind of a meat market. And yeah. The college yeah. meat market is Meehan's or White Line. Scarlet's. Well, not so much anymore. It will oh, be again. Did they change it? Did it they will, change it? It okay. will be again because you got to remember they just they just reopened. Oh, that's right. Yeah, for uh, John Arpasani closed it in July fourth of twenty twenty two, and it just reopened um, about a month ago now. Let's say like August of twenty twenty three. Yeah, and um, but and they refinished it. And guys, I'm going to tell you right now, Scarlet's looks absolutely fucking gorgeous. A lot of the old guard have returned. It does. So if you remember Nikki, John, Ryan, Cinda. Or Maddie, they're all back. The bartenders did, so and everything. Wait, so he did come back. John did come back. Yep. Oh, uh, he was. He is my funniest bartender story in St. Augustine. Because yep. I wasn't gonna drink, and I wasn't, and I told them I didn't have my ID. And sure enough, he comes walking up, and my friend's like, "You know her?" <laughs> and there's a beer in front of me. God, I love him. 
That's hilarious. So, all but, right. So, of course, St. Augustine is haunted. Yep. What else do you know is haunted? Okay. Let's um, go. Let's go to uh, Gainesville, Florida. Absolutely. Um, There is... All right. So, my actual geography and naming of neighborhoods is way off. I have not lived there for a minute. To put it to you in, in perspective, the last time I lived in Gainesville, I was living in the Oaks Apartments when they were building the Oaks Mall. I saw Star Wars there <laughs> opening day... On my eighth birthday. And I mean episode four, all right? Oh, wow. I mean, Mark you're, Hamill, Carrie Fisher, the you're original dating yourself, Star Wars. Sir. I Big am. Dumb. But um, it was a bit south of that. And um, there was a big campground up there. And I remember I was about eight years old when this happened, but there was a big headline where they had found a bunch of like desiccated bodies. And I originally remember my parents, or actually my mom and my aunt and uncle talking about it because they thought it was Bundy. Oh, yes, because he but was it, around that time. Yeah, and he but had this just wasn't killed. a couple of bodies. This was like nine bodies. Not Bundy. Got and okay. um, they looked like they had been torn apart. Wait, like... Well, it hasn't like ripped like apart. Ripped apart? Yeah. Oh, okay. And because of that, where my cousin's house currently sits right now... Um, it's in part of... It's not like a national forest, but it's a really thick wooded area. It's the edge of it. But um, nothing will grow there. Oh. So it's one of those, like, haunted or uh, cursed circles. Yeah. It's basically where the land says bad shit happened here and we're not going to reclaim we're it. We're not doing this. Oh, shit. And, and that's rare because nature abhors a vacuum yep. and, and nature will reclaim anything and my cousin's house literally butts up against where this area is and they have had police out of their house for neighbor issues for karen neighbor issues gotcha gotcha and when the police were out there they would hear these ungodly screams coming from that same exact location they would go there and of course there's nothing there so you're the neighbor's tiktok videos yeah, where they hear much. screams and run away yep holy crap Alright, so you've had Haunted Gainesville. Do you and know I any... also know about Spook Hill down in South Florida. I do know about Spook it's Hill. It's right outside of Lake Wales. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, and a lot of folks call this an optical illusion, and it might be. I don't know. Right. But all I know is that um, an engineering team from MIT, if that tells you <laughs> anything, all right, we'll talk about like an engineering capital. Like actual, okay? yeah. As in the you know, Michigan Institute of Technology. They went down there with all of these, like, measurements and doing everything that engineers and physicists do. Apparently, this thing is on an upward slope. Is it really? Yes. Oh, wow. And then right. when you go out there, you park your car, take the brake off, your car starts rolling uphill. So, it is literally being pushed. Well, I don't know about that. I think so, yes. Okay. I Absolutely. That's exactly what I think. But all right, fair. Everybody says, oh, it's just an optical illusion. Well... When a bunch of engineers go down and say, no, this is actually an uphill slope. It's kind of hard to debunk. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually heard of Spook Hill. We didn't live far from it uh, when we lived in Central Florida. Um, I've never read anything that debunks it otherwise. Like, everybody... And... Handprints um, and flour to fingerprints to... Voices. Yeah, right? Like, to me, it's just one of those, like... Let them be. Like, they're going to do their thing, and they obviously don't want you to die on a railroad track. And then there's Let the them be. Famous, and then there's the famous Bermuda Triangle. All right. Um, I didn't so, know if you were going to go into it. Let's talk about the Bermuda Triangle. Well, I triangle. have to mention that because my dad, being a Navy pilot, he's been in and around the Bermuda Triangle many, any, many... Any experiences? Many times. Um, when he said he saw... He was coming back. Now, my dad was a helo pilot, okay? Right. He flew Huey gunships in Vietnam, and he flew anti-submarine warfare 
for many years after that. And right. then he knew he was made captain of the USS Trenton during the first Gulf War. Damn. And then he okay. retired right after Somalia. So dude knows what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, I didn't realize your dad was that yep. decorated. That's awesome. And um, they were flying out of Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And both he and his two other birds that were with him. Pilots, yeah. They both. No, I mean, two, three, three helicopters. Oh, uh, I got you. He was leading. There were two of, and we're talking about the, the helicopters, by the way, for the military people that are listening. These are the big Sikorsky H3s. Okay. And uh, they were getting ready to start doing sonar drills. And all three of them marked a flying formation of eight vehicles on the radar oh. that were coming through. Oh. And then when they got out to where they were going. Nothing. There was nothing there. But. The radar signature still had that formation flying directly through right where they were at. Um, so you believe there's credence to the Bermuda Triangle? There's definitely something. Now, actually, something very interesting that I heard recently about okay. the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Um, if you... Now, granted, this is not for you flat earthers. You flat earthers just go to fuck away. Well, they're um, just going to fall off the face of the earth. What are you talking <laughs> about? Like, they're but, just going to... Um, when you there. have a globe... And you kind of turn the globe and you got the Bermuda Triangle there at the top. If you went straight down, okay. there is another area like that in the South China Sea. They call it the Devil's Triangle. They have a lot of the same kind of phenomena oh, and everything down there. Towards like Halong Bay? Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. A, theor- a recent theory posited by Neil deGrasse Tyson, of all people. Wait, isn't it like it mirrors it from the Polars? Well, what they're thinking is that at one time, way, way, way back in Earth's history, that the Bermuda Triangle at one time was magnetic north. Right, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. it, it mirrors and possibly, the... Yeah. And again, this is a possibility. I'm just kind of regurgitating what I remember. But, um, according to a couple of people, the theory is the meteor that impacted and killed the dinosaurs... Correct. ...kind of knocked everything off its axis a little so bit. So it tilted the axis. Right, it tilted, you know... Gotcha. Tilted. Uh, it might not have been that specific asteroid, but an asteroid impact... Close enough to, to it, maybe the Tunguska yeah. Blast, we don't Could know, yeah. maybe Pompeii, Santorini, pick one. Um, but no, something like that would definitely call... That would definitely come from an impact as opposed to an explosion. Gotcha. That's, that's the okay. consensus that I've been hearing. So, <laughs> we've actually been through the Bermuda Triangle. Um, sadly, if you've ever probably taken a cruise out of Miami, you've been through the yeah, corner of the Bermuda have. Triangle. Yeah. I can say that... While I believe that there is absolutely something there, we did not feel anything. Um, I don't know if that, it's that they don't tell you it. Where the tip of the triangle is, where it comes in right there around Fort Myers. Like Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Fort Myers. Oh, Fort, there, oh you're further, right, you're a little, right. A little bit further north. Gosh, you're right. But um, coming in around there, there is some unfucking believable fishing. Yes, I've actually... So, fun fact, I just had a guy on my podcast, Bob Gonzalez. He actually wrote a book called Flicker in the Water. He talked about fishing over there, and he said that you can catch some good stuff. You know? I caught my big black marlin there, 212 pounds. Seriously? Mm-hmm. All right. It was right up about 25, 20, 25 miles offshore. So yep. you so you think that we there's... We were kind of in the Bermuda Triangle, if you think about it. But, <laughs> but there's definitely credence. I'm not giving... I'm not saying there's not credence to it. I'm not saying that there's not a polar magnetic issue going on there. Exactly. Copperfield escaped it. David Copperfield can suck a dick. David um, Copperfield has an identical twin brother. That's the secret to his magic. Period. End of story. There you go. Right. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying there's not something to it, and I'm not saying that I'm not going to do a podcast on it. Yeah. I'm just saying that on a cruise ship, you don't fucking notice it. True. You know you what really I mean? Don't. No, you really don't. No, You really don't. Like, we didn't have any bad weather till we were, oh, shit. You know when we had bad weather? We were sailing back into it. But then again... Bad weather in Florida? Really? 
No. Hurricanes? <laughs> hurricanes in November. You don't say. Frog screamers? Um, <laughs> Storms out of fucking nowhere? Right? Yeah. God, isn't that every afternoon? Like um, the one that's off the coast right now going towards North Carolina? And then we also have Coral Castles, which I'm sure you've talked All about right. before. All right, I have, but if you want to go there, let's go there. Um, what do you think the secret to Coral Castle is? I honestly could not even begin to tell you. I honestly think... And I probably, when you guys hear me say this, you're probably going to tell me to, well, you're probably going to start a pool and chip in so I can buy a new tinfoil hat. But, sir, we've known you for <laughs> well about 10 years. At this point, we're past that tinfoil hat. Go ahead. But if you remember, the guy that actually built it actually said he came across some very old texts. Yes, yes. That supposedly yes. referenced how they were building the pyramids. I cannot think of his name. Yeah. But he was very much a immigrant and yeah. he very much. But here, okay, so here's my thing. And supposedly, according to what he said, he actually said that he utilized some of the techniques that they used to build the pyramids to build And he never let castles. anybody saw it. And exactly. He, and he did it at night, and... And if you guys want an interesting read, definitely check out Coral Castle in Florida. It is it, some trippy shit. And I did talk about it, you're correct, in one of my very first did. early podcasts yeah. about, uh, I want to say roadside attractions in Florida. It's been about two years now, so forgive me if that's not the right episode. But... I can't explain Coral Castle. He lifts things that shouldn't have been lifted, and he built things that shouldn't have been built. There's like like two and a half ton slab of coquina that he has. It's like a gate, and you can push it open with one finger. And there's no linchpin. There's right. no anything in there. It's literally balanced. And it just balances, and you just push it. And if you guys know anything about coquina, you know that shit weighs a fucking metric ton. And this is literally like a two and a half ton gate, and you can push it open with a single finger. You mean coquina? The same thing that's at the Casio de San Marco that blocked the, yep. the uh, cannonballs? Yeah, yep. no, no. That an eighteen pound cannonball would bounce off of. Yep. Yeah. Same exact stuff. And you can barely see although that cat tell him about the cat I know, oh, you know. Okay. I know you know about the cat know, talk yes. about the cat all right so on the eastern wall of the fort you got to be down on the moat to see it but when you look up it's near the there's bread, like a hole the, in the wall that's very much shaped like a cat okay it is and now it, the story behind that is the one that actually makes me grin it was i do not remember if this was Searle's raid or drake's raid it was it, one of the two i want to it was Searle's. that's what i was thinking it was Searle's. Yeah. um I got you on this one. So, Searles and Drake, actually, they were both actually credited with developing the first quote-unquote fast attack craft. What they would do is they would put these uh, 22-inch swivel cannons on their longboats. Yes, they would. And when the main ships were sitting at the northern part blasting the shit, they would send these smaller craft to kill, like, the cannoneers and stuff like that. Right. Well, it was actually part of the captain's log that Searles' first mate was absolutely, like, pathologically frightened of cats all right and he was and this is actually a truthfully known story like i've read this research um they were using um there were a couple of different explosive rounds used back then one of them was they would superheat the cannonballs the and they shot. would drop them in cold water so that way they would shatter on impact yeah the other one which is what these boats were firing is literally the bombs that you would see out of the cartoons when you were a kid. A little black ball with a fuse coming out of it. Yep. They would light the fuse, cram it down the barrel, and they would fire it, and these things would blow up on impact or in transit or whatever. Either but, way, it would um, do some serious damage. His first mate, Searle's first mate, and a couple of other people were in this little fast attack boat, and they were firing these things, and one of these things actually stuck in a hole that was made previously on this coquina wall. Well, when the thing detonated, it blew the cannon right back at them, and it sank the boat that they were in. Yep. They survived it, but I mean, it sank the boat that fired the actual round. But it is that place where it 
stuck in a detonator that now is an absolute perfect silhouette of a cat. And it really does. And I have seen it and I will show you a picture and it is in the moat towards where the, I'm going to call it the bread oven. It's not the bread oven. It's well, actually the, it was, it was used as a bread oven, but that's where they would superheat the cannonballs. But you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 The, There's a great big oven that they used. We're going to call it the oven. Yeah. And I hate to say this, but you can honestly see the perfect silhouette at sunrise. Yeah, you really can. I mean, mm. you can see it at any time. You can yeah, see it but, better after nightfall, the way they got their lights set up. You, right. It, it's better. You can see it a little bit clearer when it's when it's illuminated from the bottom up. But Correct. You it either is see it in the morning or at night, during the middle of the day, it just yeah. looks like a hole. But I have seen this, and I can tell you that that's a fucking cat. Like, that's a cat. And like, it was just hilarious that the fact that the guy that was supposedly pathologically afraid of cats created of that cats. fucking... Yeah. Um... All right, Q. One last ghost story for go. All Anything? Right. What you got? Okay, let me think. What do I got? What do I got? What do I got? What's your What's your best one? Oi. So. I know there's a lot. Let me talk about the first ghostly experience that I had here in Saint Augustine. Let's hear it. So I moved here. I've been coming here since I was a kid. I moved here in '84, and aside from a few years in Virginia and Carolina, I've been here. But this happened 1984-85. Um, it was Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Big nor'easter had come through. Now, you got to understand something about St. Augustine. Back then, it was more true back then than it is now, but back then, legally, there was really not a whole lot to do around here. You can go hunting, you can go fishing, you can go bowling, you can go to the movies, you can go to your buddy's house. That's pretty much where it ended. Yeah, St. Augustine, what it was, was today. And um, the Huguenot and the Tolomato cemeteries were still open to the public back then. Aha, uh-huh, okay. I know the story you're telling. So, it was the Friday after Thanksgiving. Big nor'easter had come through, so the weather was like total shit. And it was like cold, damp, rainy, everything like that. So, we decided we were going to play hide-and-seek in the cemetery. And we were in the Huguenot Cemetery, which is the cemetery that's almost directly across the street from the fort. Which is not open to public viewing today. Not except anymore. for very... I was going to say, it's on certain Very times, rare yeah. viewings. They actually have like a viewing schedule that they do now. But back then, the reason yes. they shut it is because of like vagrants and the homeless. They were like destroying the headstones and stuff like that. That's why they closed to the public. Now, we weren't doing any of that. We weren't doing anything more disrespectful than playing hide and seek in the cemetery is on its face. <laughs> right. So... Um, I was hiding behind a tree and the tree that I was hiding behind is long on. I was taken out by a hurricane, but it's no longer there. But, um, I was hiding behind a tree. Nearest person to me is probably 20, 30 feet away from me. When I felt a tap on my shoulder and I hear in my ear in a man's voice, tag, you're it. Of course, I almost shit my pants and I turn around and there's nobody around. The nearest person to me, again, is like 20, 30 feet away from me. I even looked up into the tree to see if one of my buddies was hanging from a limb, you know, just to, <laughs> to fuck me or whatever. To this day, I have not been back in that cemetery since. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people tell me that that is the judge, okay? The yeah. judge they're referring to is Judge Elvin Stickney. He got a bad reputation as a hanging judge. He almost never handed down a sentence, truly. He almost never did. The thing is, whenever he did hand down a sentence, he always gave out the maximum. All right, so that's how he kind of got a bad reputation as a hanging judge. He almost always said, just don't do it again. But uh, Judge Stickney came, he was a very wealthy man. He came from a very wealthy family. When they buried him, they buried him with all of his finery. He had a gold stick pin with a diamond tip. He had his gold teeth, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it is a matter of record that like two or three days after the fact, grave robbers broke in and they got into his stuff and they took all of his everything. Anyway, um, so the legend is that the judge is up walking around looking for his finery, everything like that. Here's the only fly in the ointment. This happened to me in like 1984, 85. And I found out within like the past year or so that 
he, the judge, his remains were actually disinterred back in 1980 and reburied with his family up in upstate New York. So, so you have no idea who it is. I, well, I mean, it could have been, but I honestly have no idea. But I mean, I always thought it was a judge until I heard that because it is also a matter of record that the judges were quite literally and legally and everything like that. But I mean, the, they were, the remains were disinterred and they were reburied and re-blessed with his family and his oh, family estate up in shit. upstate New York. Because you've told us that story before yeah. and I didn't know, like... So, who, any idea who you think it is? I honestly have no idea, because he's really the only ghost that I know of. I mean, there's other stuff out there, but he's really the only one that I know anything about. Everything else I've heard out there is just hearsay. I can also tell you that later on this scene, well, no, it was, it was literally the following summer. My yeah. dad was overseas. The dog we had at the time, his name was Chopper, loved him to death. I miss you, Chopper. He was a drummer, short hair pointer, dumb as a bag of hammers. <laughs> right? And he was an awesome hunting dog, but I mean, th- th- this poor dog was special, okay? Yeah, he, yeah. He, he really You've met our cats. You know how we feel about that. We them. lived in a two-story house, and the house that I lived in was literally right next door to the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind, to give you an idea of the neighborhood. Oh, you're, like, towards Magnolia yeah. Street. Yeah. And okay. um, this was a Saturday night slash early morning. It was just me and my mom. Now, my dad was due to come home in a couple of weeks, all right? But this dog, my dog Chopper, never growled at anything. He didn't have a mean bone on his body. He was not aggressive in any way, shape, form, or fashion at all. Oh. And then... At like three o'clock in the morning, he is like growling teeth bared at the door to my bedroom. He slept with me. Well, my mom woke up and um, we can hear something going on in the kitchen downstairs. We can hear pots and pans. We can smell bacon cooking. We can smell eggs and all this kind of shit. But Chopper is getting incredibly aggressive. He is not letting me go downstairs. He's not letting my mom go downstairs. I mean, he is snapping at us to keep us away from the stairs, which is like unheard of behavior for this dog. This is the only time literally in my entire life that he ever acted like this. And he starts going downstairs, and I've got my dad's shotgun in my hand at this point, and because we've had problems with break-ins before. But he goes down, Chopper, goes down the stairs, and I see him kind of turn, and his tail starts to wag, and he starts bouncing. So we're thinking my dad came home early. Oh, wow. And he's just, like, surprising us. Yeah. So my mom and I go downstairs, we go into the kitchen. There is absolutely no one in the kitchen. All the pots and pans are exactly where they're supposed to be. There is nobody in there. Nothing is out of place, but we can still smell bacon and eggs. What do you say to that? <laughs> Welcome to St. Augustine. <laughs> All right, on that note, I appreciate you being here, Q. Love you guys, and I will be back. Consider yourselves warned. All right, guys, I hope you had fun listening to me and Q and some Matthew talk about ghosts, just how ghosts impact our lives in Florida. I mean, they are everywhere. This is one of the oldest states. Technically, they're all, I guess, the same age, but... Uh, The state has a lot of history from the way it was founded and the way it was fought over. And so, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting to know that Florida really is kind of haunted. So hopefully that put you in the spooky season mood. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I will be back next week with one less spooky Florida. I like to do that in October to keep us in the spooky mood. Uh, But I hope you guys have an amazing week. I hope you guys, you know, the weather's great. That, you know, you get some time to yourselves or with your family. I just hope that everybody has a great week. So don't forget to wear your sunscreen. Be nice to one another. Drink your water. And as always, guys, that is your daily dose of sunshine.